BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Inside the shack, you're joined with us today. Wait, you're always joined with us. You're always here in the shack with us uh-huh. every week. I'm Daniel. And I'm Wilbur. And today we're going to provide you some information about... Back to homesteading. Yes. Things, things that are going to be useful in the near future. Because the way things are heading right now, it's going to be... And your best interest to be self-reliant, self-efficient, self-sufficient, and, you know, rely on yourself, your family, and your neighbors. And the shack. You done? Uh, And buy quail get you a dog. A chow, preferably. Don't get a chow. Yes, get a chow. No, they're too inbred. No, they're not. They're sweet. All dogs are inbred at this point. All dogs, all purebred dogs are too inbred. All of them. So get a mutt. Chow with chow genes. We had some chow mutts when I was a kid. Good dogs. Great dogs. Okay. All right, now I'm done. Uh, we're going to talk about off-the-grid energy sources. Ooh. So keep mine. We're going to mention some of uh, We did green energy or brown energy epi- as an episode. Uh, the ones we're going to bring some of those energies back, but these are much more home use, small scale stuff. So very different type of thing. The good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think the last one Wilbur will buy right after this. How do you know I haven't already? I know you haven't because you would you would not stop talking about it if you knew what the I last already, one was. Uh, checked your script out. I know what's going on. Yeah, you've checked the script. That's <laughs> that's happened before. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, never. All right, so we're going to talk about. Solar power first. Okay. You excited? Yeah. Let's go on. Let's see. No, it's it's just the, keep in mind everybody at home. This is all small scale like home usage. Uh, we talked about there's many different types when we did the brown energy episode. There's many different types of solar panel. You can get some that last sixty seventy years, and you can get some that you know like they're building industrially that last ten. Ooh, that coffee's still super hot. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. But consider investing in solar panel system to generate electricity for your homestead. 
It can include solar panels, battery, battery banks, and an inverter or converter to DC power or AC power, depending on what your needs are. And if anyone out there uh, truly fully understands all that stuff, just say, you know, send the old shack a message and teach us. I know what an inverter does. Right. I, I know what they do. I just don't personally know how to, like, hook them up or understand why they do what they do, if that makes sense. It's like... Uh, I get it, but I don't understand it fully. Think about, like, you have a raw chicken. Yeah. It's raw power. Right. Your body can't do anything with that. Okay. You know, it's it's you could eat it, but you could get sick. You could have problems from that. So what do you do? Cook it. Yes. It makes it a digestible source of energy. Mm. So that's kind of what the converter does. <laughs> so like in the Crips of Corn bus, tour bus. Odd way to put it. But no, it is because it's raw energy. The converter converts it into a way where you can plug your phone into it. Right, right, right. if you just try to plug your phone into a deep cycle battery, you're going to oh, explode. Explode, right. It, it yeah. I understand that. It's like, uh, what? It, what's it, like the little, there's little transformers? Di- yeah, there's little diagrams kind of explaining how it works with ohms right. and everything like that. See, that's the part I'm like, Ugh. Like, I, I understand it, but I couldn't go there and install it for somebody or myself. It's super easy. It sounds, that's what I just need someone to explain it to me. If you buy an inverter, they have diagrams. Like, oh, they just okay. say, like, hook this up to battery. Yeah. And then you hook the windmill up to battery. Okay. The opposite way. And then charge battery. But no, so yes, getting some home solar panels can be a good way. Whether they're in your greenhouse and just kind of help you give some extra hours of grow light until the battery dies. Right, or like run a fan to circulate air. Yeah, just that kind of stuff. For chickens, it'd be really, you know, I know a lot of personal people that do chickens and stuff like that. Uh, Quail can be light sensitive, but they're more temperature sensitive. Chickens are light sensitive when it comes to eggs. So, you know, the shorter days you get less eggs, the longer days more eggs. Um, but yeah, so typical solar panels and our typical solar power includes solar panels, battery, battery banks, and an inverter converter. Yeah, depends. Like we said, what your needs are. If you're going to plug a welder into it, you know you're going to need a lot more juice than just trying to right. run a water pump or something like that. Right, or a flashlight. Yeah, but this is most of this is going to be for small scale stuff or cooking. Okay. Um, a solar panel can be installed in the south facing roof or in a sunny location on your property. It can generate electricity during the day. The battery banks can store excess electricity for use during the evening or on cloudy days. An inverter can be used to convert the DC power generated by solar panels to AC power, which is then distributed to your home and appliances through a series of wiring and circuit breakers. However, this, uh, however, with proper care and maintenance, a solar power system can last for many years, even decades, it provide a reliable source of off-grid materials and energies. Some important considerations while installing a solar power system Selecting the appropriate size and type of system for your needs, ensuring proper insulation and wiring, providing regular maintenance and repair. So this is something you'll need a little, like all of this stuff, you'll need a little more research in and kind of trying to figure out what's good for you. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a lot of the stuff I would consider using solar power for is my greenhouse, my chicken or duck coops, uh, maybe some outside lights and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that aren't like aren't crucial. I wouldn't rely on because it's really relying on the battery bank. Right. Solar panels. If you get nice solar panels, they're they do really good. They they, I think it's like some of the ones in like I'm trying to think of some of the cloudy cities, uh, to kind of re- like fill their battery banks. They only need I think three really sunny days a week, mm. and they'll keep their battery banks pretty full because they're still pulling in light on the cloudy days. Right. It's just not as strong. Yeah. There's not as much. Yeah. It's it's diffused light. Why don't they just take a? Why don't you take like a? 
you know, a work shop light, hook it into your inverter and point it straight at the solar panel, 24 hour power. <laughs> Genius idea. It's like putting the magnet on the front of your car and it just pulls the truck. Free free locomotion. It's genius. It's like getting the sailboat and getting a big fan put behind it. So, well, if you guys don't know, Wilbur actually works for Acme. <laughs> yep. I gave Wiley Coyote most of his designs, but I only made the ones that worked. They just didn't put those in the show. Not so, as funny. By investing in solar power systems, you can not only save money on your energy bill, but also reduce your carbon footprint, and that's something you're conscious about oh and contribute my. to more sustainable future oh in farming. Oh, my gosh. Carbon so, footprint. Now, we've it, talked about it. I don't, you know what? I'm going to give them my carbon footprint. It's going to be a piece of toilet paper. I'm going to wipe with it and stick it to the wall. That comes up later. That's my carbon footprint. No, I, it's, uh, I do think we need to be more conscious of what we're doing to the environment as a whole, as a species. Plastics are a really big deal. Now, that I agree with. Coal, whether you believe in global warming or not, doesn't matter to me. It's the byproducts of coal are destroying the planet. Uh, I'm going to say this, though. You know, with all this individual... Tracking your carbon footprint BS, it is 100% BS, doing it on the individual scale, because if any of these people actually cared about your carbon footprint or what each, it bothersome to me, like, oh, your car. See, I think- um, One private jet flight by a millionaire- oh, Nobody's arguing that. Puts out more carbon. One flight puts out more carbon than your vehicle in your lifetime will ever put out. The biggest number one producer of carbon in the world is the United States military. So unless you're going to protest them putting up a new- I thought it was China. No, it's it's our U.S. military. Are you sure? 100% sure, yes. Now, China I, puts out a lot, yes, but do you know the, how much our military- I think that it's the Chinese industrial system. Uh-uh. It's the U.S. military. It's a hundred percent U.S. military, and there you don't see one person in our Congress or anything protesting the new bases we're putting up around the world on your tax dollars every single year. I think we just put up two or three new military bases. Uh, I think one is in like the Philippines. Uh, I can't remember where they're. We're putting up. We're still putting up more. Why? Did any taxpayers vote on that? No. Do any of us actually want that? No. Does Do any of these bases protect us here at home? No. They're just pulling out your resources and allocating them – resources that you're providing through your tax dollars, and then they're sending our military – our men in uniform there. Where did you see that? It, it's and, – and I know it's true. You can't Google it because guess who controls all that? I'm just saying, where would you even find? Where would you find that information then? You're gonna have to ask me when I'm outside the shack and I'm in my research center. Yeah, sure, sure. sure. Because right now I'm not. I'm just spouting. I'm spouting out the truth. But the U.S. military is the number one, the number one producer of carbon. But carbon, anyways, the stuff that makes plants grow bigger. Now. You've said that several times. Well, it's the type of carbon molecule. It's not just carbon. Carbon dioxide. That's the big poisonous killer 
gas. But it's the stuff ru- that's coming out with it, like the bleaching of the oceans, which are happening. Oh my I've gosh! So, now, where'd you get that source? I've seen it. You've seen the ocean bleached. I've seen coral bleach. Yes. Where? Florida. How do you know they didn't just put something there? Or do you know that just like coral it's, dying? It, it's what bleaching is. It's coral dying. It's, but how do you know it's becoming more acidic? But it's but the ocean absorbs but and lets I out think more. You car- do ignore in some of your thoughts that the that yes, the average day person can live better and can do better, and this is both a byproduct. Making the earth a better place, whether you believe in global warming or not, <laughs> is still making the earth a better a better place. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think you ignore that, though. Uh, no, I mean, I think I'm, I'm more direct towards No, I it. think you just hate, and you get blinded by hate. No, that's not true. That's not it true. It is. Doesn't so exist. what do you think about home solar power? Oh, I think it's a great thing. I think it's a good thing. I think everyone should, uh, sh- should, no, no, not should, because should does not exist. Should is not a word that exists. There's no such thing as should. Remember that in life. This is not a life lesson. Never, never rely on should. You know, I should have done this. I should do that. No, you either do or you don't. That's how you live life in the shack. So I think it's a good thing for people to uh, have their own personal solar panels, you know, for your own personal use, for your own property, and one step away from getting off the grid. And so some drawbacks, So with this. Uh, it can be kind of costly depending on what you want. Oh, I think you say some drawbacks. I was going to say clouds. No, I mean, that's just, it's just, most of the time, this is either powering, uh, as far as the home or homestead use, uh, powering smaller items or using as as a subsidization. Right. So when it's good out, you know, you're using more of your power from it, and when it's bad out, you know, you do have other sources. Right, yeah. Um, yeah it's not 100% reliable. The, to- the other drawback is, like you said, but you may not realize it's weather, depending on where you're at in the world. Right. Uh, you don't want to build solar panels in Kansas. Why not? Tornadoes. Ooh, okay. These things like to fly. Yeah, I can see that. They're like a light. big, like a big frisbee. Yeah, they're light and they uh, they catch a lot of air surface, uh, and also some parts of the world that have extreme hail damage. Mm-hmm. There are some really good, like and like as we said, you know, it depends on how much money you want to spend. Uh, there are solar panels that are pretty much bulletproof. Because hmm. yeah, they build them in areas, like I said, with hail. Right, when, yeah. You know, we have hail here in Ohio, you know, probably once or twice a year, I'd say, you know. It's not Most often. Time, it's not very big. The lat- Two years ago was the worst we've had in a long time. I feel like when I was a kid, it hailed more. I don't know if it hailed more. I think it was more memorable. De- that, maybe definitely that's it. Because there's a lot of stuff like that as being a kid that's... I remember sitting outside, uh, well, not, not standing outside, looking outside my grandma's window in her backyard, and she has a little pool there. And I, yeah, start smacking. Oh, the, like the amount of splashing, it was scary. Like it looked like the apocalypse was happening, mm-hmm. but it was just a little hailstorm. The apocalypse. Wow. What? Nothing, just nothing. Song. <laughs> Wilbur, Wilbur, Wilbur. Uh, yeah, so you can get higher end solar panels that are pretty much bulletproof. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you really want, just put uh, a chain link fence in, over it. Come on. On people, uh, but no, that solar, I, I, that hailstorm we had last year that killed all the quail. Oh yeah, and it killed uh, killed a bunch of my quail really fast. The poor, they just didn't know what to do because there's so much water coming down with it too. Yeah, so they were drowning and being beat to smashed to death. Yeah, man, quail have a rough life. Right, they're either getting smashed by quail or cooked alive in a greenhouse. <laughs> Wind power is our next one. 
Okay. And once again, remember everybody at home, we're talking about home use wind power. Right. Not the big Not giant turbines. industrial turbines that don't work after a year. There's no no one knows how to fix them. They're a big scam and waste of money. Everybody knows how to fix them. They just those people burn to death because they get stuck in there. Well, there's that too. Yeah. Dangerous. It's just awful. It costs more. It it costs. It's a bigger carbon footprint to produce the thing. Remember, we've uh, already done that episode. We're just reminding. It's good to reiterate. We're talking about something different. Uh, if your homestead is a windy area, like uh, where we at, would be a very good option for this. You know, once you got in the country, Ohio is a pretty windy state. Oh yeah. Uh, is a wind turbine or a small wind mill is a good way to produce electricity. You can choose between horizontal and vertical wind turbines depending on the space you need. Uh, and you've talked about the horizontal ones. Mm-hmm. Where they're basically like a like a shaft with pedals, and they just spin there, so it's almost like a it's much more smaller of a profile. Yeah, than and an more efficient. Uh, I don't think you ever showed me that data, but sure. I meant as far as like the whole structure is collecting wind rather than just a little fan at the top. You know I, I mean? think it depends on what you want. Well, because I know a lot of people that use the little the windmills around here actually put pumps in them and they build mm-hmm. like little houses at the bottom. Yes, that's and yes. Then, uh, uh, I meant for just collecting wind in general oh, for the, for electricity maybe. storage. It depends on what you want this thing to do. Also, yeah, because I know. Uh, there's a water pump under my buddy's one, which we'll talk about, and he uses it to water his gardens and all that. He has which a little is switch. Awesome. And it'll actually pump water. But it also is an air pump for his pond. Oh, and nice. To aerate it. Nice. Yeah. See, these are things we all need. So if you have access to a steady supply of wind in your homestead, a wind turbine would be a highly effective option to generate electricity. Uh, the renewable energy sources used for wind power to convert to kinetic energy is the wind into mechanical energy or electrical energy, depending on what you have. So basically, depending, you set these things up. Uh, you can get one pretty affordable. I guess I should have gave you some prices. Small solar panels, depending on like really cheap guys, you can get them for 60, 50 bucks now. Wow. For like your greenhouse or your chicken coop and stuff like that. 60 to 100 bucks. Wow. Uh, if you just have a little, it has a small battery, it powers a real easy light or something like that. And you can mm. go up from there, you know, obviously do a couple thousand bucks. Right. To even you know, oh. tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. It really depends on if you, what you want as a homesteader. Uh, so, yeah. We'll talk more about the wind. Okay, so there's choosing between two types, you know, the vertical or horizontal. The careful consideration factors such as space constraints and wind patterns in your area uh, or make for the better selection. Proper installation, regular maintenance, and careful monitoring can ensure your wind turbines operate effectively and provide electricity to your needs in your homestead for decades. If you choose to connect your wind turbine to the grid, you may be able to generate additional income through net margin programs offered by your utility company. Never heard of that, really. There are, it happens here in Ohio. Really? That if you generate, uh, I know with that solar panel company that came through a couple of years ago, and they put a bunch of it in Lima. Uh-huh. And if you generate excess electricity, you actually make money on your utility bill. Wow. Uh, because you're, there's that, you ever seen the Copper House? Where? Out in Lima. Outside of it? Yeah. Yeah, I know where that is. Okay. So he's, his whole roof solar panels now. Oh, okay. And he's he was one of the big test pots. He was a show house for it. Okay. And yeah, they he actually makes money off it. I think it pays his mortgage. Wow. I'm shocked that some some a company like AEP would give you money because I swear their whole mission is to extract as much money oh, from as you possible. as possible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's uh, there's you know things to think about. Off grid homesteaders should also consider a battery bank. To store excess energy and generate yes. the turbines. We'll talk about battery banks later. Okay, good. Because I don't know. I've seen a lot of stuff on them, like 
and how people like wire them up? It depends on if you want them mobile. So the ones I used to build were mobile battery banks. Yeah. To where they would charge, but you could un- you could unhook uh, a battery. Yep, yep. And it's basically you're hooking all these batteries. You hook up all together, the positives and all the negatives yeah. together, and they share. So they actually charge the same percentage when you do that. Yep. If you do it right. There shouldn't be one battery getting full and another one not. Right, right, right. Uh, as long as everything's done right. I and mean, if you have it where it's probably the battery's dead itself. That's the part where it's doing it right. I don't – I need more knowledge, You just buy – there's kits. Basically, like, I'm going to tell everybody, just buy the kit. Don't try to do it yourself. You can if you're much more savvy than we are. To so me, start I'm, with the kit and I'm then – I'm always buy the kit Yeah, because it all comes – Start with the kit and end with the uh, boat motors or the boat batteries. You got 100 of them chained together. I have a bunch of deep cycle marine batteries. There you go. That's what you need. Now they work great, uh, but they do have problems. If they go dead, they are dead. That's when you just pick them up and you shake them really hard, or you rub them on your jeans. You ever do that as a kid? A, a, a deep cycle boat battery? No, <laughs> no not that. You know, but... I'm like that's a hundred pound <laughs> yeah. battery. No. Yes, yeah, so as a kid, all the time I pick those up and rub them on my jeans. No, you ever? Uh, no, me and my friend. Uh, I can't remember when this was. We were in elementary school, and uh, we were playing Game Boy in the bus. And it, it, mine's like, I'm like, oh, my batteries are dead. You know, back when Game Boys had batteries, like double A, you take out. He's like, oh, you just need a little more power. You take them out and rub them on your jeans real hard and you put it back in and it'll work. I'm like, no, it won't. He freaking did it, rubbed it on his jeans, put it back in, fired right up. I couldn't, mine was blown. Static. Yeah. It worked for about, you know, five minutes, but it worked. Uh, I just watched the Middle Eastern guy blow up due to static electricity. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It was in a, you know the massive you've, you've probably seen them at the factory, massive rolls of like uh, bubble wrap. Yes. So in a truck, uh-huh. he had crawled over them to get to the front for some reason. Uh-huh. As he crawled out, he hopped down. The second his boot touched, you see this big like shock thing, uh-huh. and the whole truck blew up into flames. Why? Because the static electricity. He had charged so much rubbing across all yeah, that plastic. But, but why did it blow up the bubble wrap or whatever? It was such a hard impact. Like, yeah. As far it caught all the plastic on fire like instantly. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. I know. Uh, working... And his buddy was in there yelling at him to not to, like not oh. to do it the whole time. Yeah. I know working at the plastics factory, uh, they make a bunch of milk crates, and uh, like they make a bunch of them. And when you walk, then they'll stack them up. And my brother was walking through them. <laughs> And you can feel the static charge from them all, like, building up. And he walked between two stacks of – my brother kind of has shoulder-length hair. It's kind of long. But literally all of his hair stood up on end. Like, it was kind of – I'm like, oh, okay, that's – there's a lot going on there. You don't have a discharge station? I'm sure they do, but, I mean, that's – we weren't working in that area. We were just kind of passing through. And I turned around and looked at him. All of his hair saying, he's like, hey, look at me. (laughs) Whoa. His long hair is standing up on end. Just from milk crates. So, yeah. So, wind can be, you know, pretty effective. So, the horizontal, you can buy online uh, anywhere from 1500 to 4000 bucks for, you know, a decent-sized one. You can build one yourself, too. Mm-hmm. But to me, I'm not very – it's worth it to buy one. I mean, unless you're uh, construction savvy. I mean, unless you are a welder and you can do right, yeah. metal and – Make stuff run very smoothly because mm. you want almost no friction, as, as little as friction as possible. Eat some steel ball bearings. And it's about the same price for an actual windmill. Yeah. And depending on what windmill you can get, uh, you can get ones that have water pumps. Which is awesome, I think. And they just either pump air into water or you can kind of switch it around and they pump water out. Mm. That's what my buddy has. He just has basically a, a switch. That's awesome. Essentially, it switches which way it's it's going. 
It's just a simple bladder, right? Kind of pushing down every yeah. time it blows, and it can be, but the, you know, it varies how fast it's going to do anything because the wind, because the wind. Yep. Uh, and it's the same. It's the same system with putting an alternator on it to get generate electricity. Okay, gotcha. And it goes to a battery bank to charge, or you can plug something straight into it. Questions or comments about wind power? Nope. Let's see the next one. The wind so far is my favorite. Yeah. I think uh, depending on where you live, you know, a couple windmills can do a lot. Solar is also really cool as far as homesteading. Uh, here's one I don't care for. Uh, water power. Oh, why? It's just no matter how big or small, we'll talk about it. It's very detrimental to your local environment. How so? We'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, if you're homesteading a stream or river nearby, consider investing in hydroelectric systems to generate electricity. This can include a small dam, which is horrible. Yeah, that I don't agree with. Water pipes and a generator. Water uh, water power, also known as hydroelectric power, is a clean, renewable source of energy. And I see, here's my thing, is I wouldn't call it clean. It is clean as far as emissions, but it is still detrimental to the environment to do it. I think it depends on how you do it. The big dams, no, 100% bad. It's very hard to do hydroelectric yeah. in any way that's not detrimental in some way, shape, or form. I might have something for you once you're... Finish here. Yeah, it's chopping up fish. No, not that. Because there's the you've seen those phone chargers and stuff like that, right? For campers, uh, it's I don't a little know. water turbine. Okay, and you plug it into your phone, you throw it in the creek with a rock, it sits there and charges. Oh no, I haven't seen those. Mm-hmm. I've seen one guy had one in his video. He threw it in the creek, and the fin came right off and just just took <laughs> off. It didn't work it after didn't that. Work. Uh, so yeah. If your homestead is located near a water source, consider investing in hydroelectric system generating electricity. Like we said, this can include constructing a small dam, installing water pipes, and connecting a generator to convert the electricity of the moving water into electrical energy. Not only is it a sustainable and reliable source of energy, but it can also provide a self-sufficient system and independent off-the-grid power. Hydropower is highly efficient for renewable energy, with some systems being able to generate up to 50% of energy contributed to the water flow system. That means it just fall how much energy you capture out of how much energy is being used to turn something. Okay. Off-grid homesteaders can also consider using micro hydroelectrical systems, which can be cost-effective and low-input way to generate electricity. With proper planning, design, and maintenance, the hydroelectric system can provide a reliable source of renewable energy for a homestead, helping you to reduce your carbon footprint and become less dependent on stuff like fossil fuels. Okay. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Is that it for that? Yeah. Okay, so here's my other options to that as well. Um, it would be really nice if you lived on like a piece of property with a natural spring because then you can collect that, dam it up, and collect that water. You know what I mean? That would be a good spot, and then it's clean. It's not hurting no animals. I was going to say, depending on what spring it is. Like if you just you know dig your well. You'd probably. And you, you could, hit a spring. You may be able to stop it. That'd be cool. No, no, no. I'm saying no. It may not. It may pop up somewhere else. A lot of them are so low flow uh-huh. inputs. Yeah, that they have other options they can kind of. So if you essentially you're putting a cap on it to force it through a nozzle to turn something. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. That's what you would be doing. Yeah. That's I mean to to capture power from a spring, and uh, there's a chance that it's just gonna. Well, in my head, I feel like you could just like uh, find the spring wherever it's coming out at. And then, you know, collect all that water, you know, and put it in some sort of big container tank or whatever, and then have a little hole at the bottom where that comes out. Like at How p- are you getting it to the container tank? Well, it just depends how you, uh, maybe you got a, like a little wind powered. So you're already, pump. in my mind, or the, costing it, more electricity. Okay, if it's a natural spring and it already is flowing out of the ground, all you got to do is just collect that, damn it up. So there you go. You're damming what's going into a body of water. Springs are what power rivers. Not if it's a natural little. Yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, but if it, what if you find it? If you yes, you found it at the beginning of a river. Okay, and then you dammed it up, killing that river. It's still going to come out just as much. You no, let it come out just as it, much. It never works. It never uh, works like that. Not with that attitude. Because people that build dams are like, oh no, the dam, the water still flows over the same. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Now, in the river, I'm talking about damming before it gets to the river. So It's just water. There's no animals. There's nothing in it. No, there's, there is water. There's animals that live in the springs and stuff like that. We've talked about cave fish and everything. Well, they don't need to be out anyways. If they get out, then it's their own fault. Then they end up in your generator. And that's their I don't, own like fault. Like I said, I don't like hydro. I think messing with the river water systems is why we're in a lot of our mess we're in right now. Oh, I don't think it's good to manipulate them at all. No. And... Because that's where they're they're fighting the, they're fighting their constraints right now to you know go back to working the way they're working. Yeah. So any kind of manipulation of the rivers, the only way I can see any kind of water power actually working is uh, there are like I said there are skirts that have fans in them. Yeah, that kind of sit on the bottom. Yeah, that's the thing I was telling you about that charges yeah. the phone. Uh, so people do that, and I don't like them. They're fine, but the second here's what people do though. Is they start putting rocks along the edge to funnel water in there. In there. You made a dam. Yeah, then you're killing. You just made a dam. Putting fish in there, yeah. Um, I think the uh, the South America, like the, you know, the megaliths in South America, like the old, uh, I can't remember, like this, I don't know, it's maybe an ancient, tri- or ancient civilization that built them, you know, all the, you know, the Puma Punkus, the Olente Tombos, but there's this one called Tombo Machai. I think that's how you say it, Tombo Machai. I think that sounds right. But uh, I think uh, they said it used to be like an ancient, like, spring or or an ancient, like, relaxation place, you know, where they go. But they had manipulated, like, the the water itself through, like, the stones to where it's, like, it's already filtered and it's already come, it just comes out natural. 
and you can even take your finger and run it, your finger I've across the end, yeah. and it slows the flow down, then it goes faster. Really interesting place. I think people back then understood how to use water and how to manipulate it, but for— And then that's why they're all dead? Uh, what do you mean? That's why they went extinct is because they understood how to use water? Uh, yeah, because these things still work today, and these things are ancient, and you know, they still flow. I think that's the same place as seahorses in the mountains, isn't it? Uh, seahorses in the mountains? Yeah. I don't know. One of those big cultures in South America that was super advanced, they got wiped out, and they couldn't figure out how until they discovered a couple of their lakes in the mountains have the only freshwater seahorses in the world. Okay. And they figured out because it was the massive tsunami. That had, f- flew them in there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing can stop a natural. I don't care how technologically well, advanced you are. The water, so the water messes with you. Oh, okay, okay. That's what you're saying. You're just anti-water. No, I'm anti-messing with water. He's anti-water, people. See, I love. There's nothing more I love than watching a river meander. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. And they do meander. They don't like to go in a straight line. They, it's, it's it's not, not how it's supposed to be. It's not at all. It's not how it's supposed to be. There was this one guy, I wish I could remember his name, because he did studies on water, like the flow of water and things mm-hmm. like that, and how to capture, and how to like, not manipulate rivers, but like, how to help control the flow, so it's not so um, dangerous for... I don't I already don't believe him. Oh, no, it's, this is stuff that like, they, oh, this guy's a quack, he don't know anything, but he, he was, he was actually in the rivers, tracking like the flows like he understood how when water meanders where it's more powerful where it's less why it does what it does like he actually had all this down and understood and they would bring him into certain areas for like to help erosion like rivers that were he's like okay you just put a rock here one big rock like in this spot will help divert all this water so it's not so um like detrimental to the the bank here on this side and it was really, it's really interesting. If I can find his river erosion is natural, though. Right, it That's is. That's how it meanders. Right, exactly, exactly. But he helped. Well, just people helped. Uh, people are just naturally poor planning of where they put. Like every time right. humans mess with the river, it's ended up bad. Oh Our yeah. Our biggest example locally is the Blanchard. Okay. They added four hundred miles to it mm. because it was flooding so bad. The straight stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, the big U. Oh, they okay. gave it more stuff to flood. Yeah. And, like, you know, and it made it 100 times worse. And it's still going to flood. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, they made it 100 times worse. Yeah. They got rid of all the meanders and made it straight. Yeah, that's not good. So don't mess with water. I still think, though, water is a good uh, – if you if you have access to it. Like right now they're, tra- they're talking about doing these wave bouncers. Yeah. Which is the worst thing, the stupidest idea. What do you mean? So they're balls that float in the ocean, uh-huh. and they generate electricity because they, they're buoyant, and right. they're cooked up to a, a moor on the bottom, and they sit and bounce up and down okay. in the waves. And they're talking about making these big f- wave farms for okay. energy. Yeah. Uh, they're destroying the bottom to put these in. Yeah, that's true. They're also putting basically in this open water environment, this coastal environment. Think of it. It's a giant spider web of wires and lines in yeah. these balls. Yeah. So you're destroying the environment. You're making it almost like a forest. And you're slowing down wave impaction on the beach. Yeah. Which there's a lot of animals that depend on that to breed. The whole cycle starts right there yeah. for a lot of these animals. So you're destroying stuff that may be five, 600 miles away by doing that. Okay. See, and I can see like, that. People don't think about that. They don't, they're like, well, no, you know, the animals will be, they'll just move. It's another, it's just another thing like uh, the wind farms and the solar farms. And, you know, when you mass. When you do this stuff in mass, it's never good for the environment. It's never good for 
you know, just nature in general. Uh, one of those sounds would sound like it would be fine. Like if you live by the ocean or something and just had one, I think that would be okay. See, I don't like them. I mean, yeah, I get it because it, it, you're manipulating the nature, but... There's never one, though. We're humans. That's what I'm saying. There's never one. I, but I think on a personal use, one would be okay. Yeah, that's what we're having all this trouble with dams right now in this country. That's probably dams. We and then dams and the way we irrigate fields is probably the two worst things we've done for the water system. Hopefully, by next year, one of our our friends can help destroy some of those dams through laws and regulations protecting species. You know what I mean? Do you not know what I'm getting at? I think I do, but I don't think any dams are going to be destroyed that way. Well, maybe new ones. Well, they, they won't new build ones. new ones. There yeah, you go. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's yes. different. That's what I meant. Like, they're not going to be out there with damage, a sludgehammer. No, damage the uh, future I, dam production. I do know people that have done that. That's not good. No, they're not. No. They've done bad things. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, biomass power. Mm. Now, this is more like, uh, uh, around here we have a lot of people that burn corn pellets and that kind of stuff, wood chips. To generate electricity or, you know, actually have fire mm-hmm. in their homes. They use, you know, wood pellets for heating and that kind of stuff. Uh, depends on where you're at in the country if this is a actual probable f- uh, fuel source for you or not. Okay. If you're in an agriculturally developed part of the country, yes, this probably would be a very cheap alternative for you. Uh, like here we actually have a lot of it's corn silage that they compress into pellets. It's very, very cheap, affordable as far as heating your home for the winter. And what stuff is that like, like that. the the hus or not the hus? The uh... it's all the it's everything that's not corn on, on the plant on, on the plant. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. What do they do? Press it down into like yeah, they shred it, and then it's called corn silage. Is what it is. Some people give it to animals. It's not like the best, but it's yeah. Not, but cows enjoy it and stuff like that. And some... with salcata tortoises. No, no. Uh, it'd be a little when they get bigger, maybe. Yeah, but it's it's. Cows and those kind of things like it because it keeps them regular. Right, it makes sense. Yeah, you know it's really it's rough. It's rough, not really yeah. any uh, nutrients. Yeah, into yeah. it. But it's a good binding though for some feeds. Push push the fecal yeah. Yeah. matter out. So, uh, but if you're near these areas, they shred basically they shred this and soybean huh. silage and that kind of stuff. Compress them into pellets. There's also you can burn bad corn. Huh. There's well, corn yeah. that never gets graded as it's far and it's, it burns fine. Wow. Okay. Like it maybe have a little mold and stuff. You can't use it for feed or yeah, nothing like that. So burn it. You burn it. I mean, it, you know, as a fuel source. Because I mean, when you're, I, I don't know if people understand that. Like, uh, so the sun comes down, it helps grow the plant, right? Yeah. So, so, so that plant's collecting all that solar energy. So when you burn it, you're just releasing energy. It's just energy. Yes, no. So it's a chemical process inside the leaf that's creating sugars. Mm-hmm. And the photon is a part of that chemical process. That's why right. light behaves both as a particle and a wave. Right. It's very weird. Like light's this weird hyperbiological thing that we don't fully understand. It's because we are all light. In a way. We're all beings of light. So you're burning off the sugars. That is, But you are uh, transferring energies from right. soil materials and the sun. The sun's the free one. The soil materials is not. Because mm, you have to pay to put those back in. The free battery. Yeah. Well, because there's nothing. We there, we have no input on that. Right, yeah. If it goes out, it goes out. Like, right. There ain't much. Take advantage of it. Yeah. So what are you going... Uh, so biomass is pretty simple. Like, a lot of it's wood burners, uh, that kind of stuff. Any any questions about that? Um. Oh, well, here's a, a little add-on to that. Um. You ever heard of the burning the... Wood burning, the fuel you can use, you can collect from that. So, like, uh, I've seen people take wood burners 
You mean pine gasoline and that kind of stuff? No, just oh, the okay. smoke smoke from the from burning wood. So they'll Oh, you can reburn the carbon and that kind of stuff. You can reburn the smoke. Yeah. So what they do is they take their uh wood burner or whatever and they have a collector on top that collects the smoke, you know, like the chimney wood or whatever. And then they take that and they funnel it through a tube. And usually they have like a a little fan hooked up to it, like a blower that pulls the smoke out. So it blows it and it pushes all that smoke and then they run it basically through like a radiator. Um Basically, just to cool it down, like through they run it through like some you know some metal tubing or something that separates you know cools it down, and then collect it all that and then push it right into like a generator, right into like the fuel intake, hook it straight up to it because that stuff burns. That's, that's what a turbo does in an engine, just so you know. Yeah, it's the same. You can do it with wood fuel, and I've it seen just people takes it and-, and yeah, on that that smoke that comes out after it's cooled down, you can take a flame to it instantly. You got flamethrower coming yeah, up sure. the end. And then they just hook that that gas. Well, it's basically wood. Wood. Think about charcoal pellets. Yeah. What are they? Charcoal or wood? I mean, old wood. Burnt wood. Burnt wood. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, most of the time when you're burning just wood, a lot of that smoke that goes up mm-hmm. is still burnable yeah, fuel. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it just escapes. So yeah, you're you're collecting it, cooling it down, and you can feed it right into your generator, and it will run. So next, what I got on my list: geothermal. Uh, definitely the most expensive, but Probably the most useful on this list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As far as uh, once you get it done, you probably don't need to do anything else. Nope. Uh, but it is pretty costly. Just to install. Yeah. If you use a homestead that has natural hot springs or geothermal resources, consider investing in a geothermal heat pump to provide heating and cooling to your home. This can also generate electricity through a uh, steam turbine. So basically, there's a shaft that is like a, like a hot water heater, if you mm-hmm. want to imagine it like that. Mm-hmm. If your home is lucky enough to have several natural hot springs or geothermal resources, you may be able to harness excess energy uh, and, you know, have all of your heating and cooling needs powered. The geothermal heat pump can be installed and extract heat from the ground. You use it to warm your home during the cooler months and cool your home during the warmer months. Uh, If you look, they actually, like spring houses used to be built on springs and geothermal stuff because it stayed the same temperature year-round. Like I said, this is probably the most expensive one, but this is one... They can be extremely useful to off-grid homes, and it can actually almost do all of your resource needs. And by the end of it, you'll kind of realize most homesteads, if you want to be 100% off the grid, you'll have to have a combination of these sources. Right. Uh, with geothermal, I always had the idea of what I wanted to do is dig like some big, you know, 8 to 10-foot deep trenches out in the field and run some fuel tile through it. Not the corrugated, but the solid. Yeah, ceramic. Ceramic, or they make it with a black you know, field tile that doesn't have the holes in it, you know, have that running through those trenches, you know, eight, 10 feet down where the temperature is constant. And then it comes up one end, the other end goes into your home or greenhouse, whatever you want it to go into, whatever you're heating or cooling. And then like in the winter, you just have a fan on that pulls that air from outside through the ground into your home. Then, you know, by the process of it going through the ground, it changes the temperature to that constant temperature. And then the summer, or that's what you do in the summer to cool your home. And then the winter, well, it'd be, I guess it'd be like the same thing. You just pull in the air through, or would you do it in reverse? What? P- pull the air out of your home. No, because that would make it, no, you'd well, want to pull it in again. You're doing the same thing. Yeah, you want to do the same thing. You want you're that constant. the same thing. Yeah, you want that constant and temperature. Try, it, it varies highly to how deep you have to do it, depending on what you mm-hmm. want to happen. Uh, anywhere from most in the U.S., 100 to 400 feet down. Huh? Yeah. For what? 
geothermal heating, cooling, and energy. Oh, I just want that constant. Once you get to 8 to 10 feet down, it's about like 50 to 60 constant. And that's all I that's all I think you need just to help maintain. I'm talking about geothermal. Yeah, I don't mean that. I just mean I meant in the other and another way to use it, I guess. Where you're just getting a constant temperature to maintain your home. Another big problem with this is the space. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you need space. Yeah. What's that commercial you keep hearing on the what we hear in our area? It's not an oil rig. It's not an oil rig. Yeah. Well, it's instead of doing it or tearing up your whole yard, we just dig a really deep hole. Two. Two really deep holes. They got, yeah, it's there's two holes. Yeah, they drawn them vertical now, at least some of them. But the rest, I remember some people's yards they put in geothermal stuff, and you just dig these trenches all through their yard. And, and I think that I think that may be even illegal now. Really? Yeah, because a lot of laws have changed with like irrigation and that kind of stuff, oh, which wow. I would kind of fall into. Yeah, that's why they started doing them the deep, so you get a, a higher constant temperature mm-hmm. and just kind of use it at once. Like right, yeah. So yeah, it's expensive. It takes up a lot of space, and you will either have to rent equipment or hire somebody to do it. Right. Yeah. When it comes to this stuff, uh, I would hire somebody to do it so it's done. Right. And, and it wouldn't take you five years. And most of time, it comes with a warranty. And you're not killing yourself by digging a deep hole. And I knew a guy right down the road from here. Um, you you know him. Um, he was. Do the I, Wilbur? Do I? Yeah, he was uh, a teacher for us, and then he became a principal at another school. He was around my a little older than me. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Okay, so did you ever hear the story when he was digging out in his basement, um, and the, the soils there was really sandy, and uh, or sandy or loose? I don't know, but he was digging, and he was in over his head. All of a sudden, because I think he was digging a sump pump in his basement, instantly. The wall, everything collapsed in. Just whoosh. and all you could, all they could see was his hand. He stuck his hand up, and they hurried up. Luckily, his family was right there, dug him out, breathe again. But it collapsed on him, and it completely engulfed him. And all he had was his hand above the surface. And they dug him out really fast, but he lit. Obviously, he lived. But yeah, don't, don't dig. You know how scary that is. Uh, there's a there's a female uh, Instagrammer TikToker that just got in all that trouble for. Digging. She's okay. like in a city. Not a city, like a town. Oh, like the people in, like that? No, different different thing. Okay. Kind of different. She just loved digging. Yeah. And dug like a, a tunnel that's like 100 foot straight down underneath her house. <sighs> My kind of lady. Uh, no. She caused thou- or hundreds of thousands of dollars in property damage. Be ungovernable. Because she did this. And so her neighbors caught her doing it. Yeah. Because she's... Wheeling dirt out. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, what are you doing? She's like, well, I'm digging on my property. I'm just digging straight down, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, you know you're going to destroy our house. Yeah. It's she's like, no, it only affects my property. And she had even an engineering degree and stuff like that. Then after she got in trouble, these engineers came in that were experts and like, they, like, they condemned her house. All these houses. Oh, really? No, not her house. Just all of them. All of them. Because they're like, the way she dug this, there's a chance this is just all going to sink into the ground. A chance. I think I trust her. No, I go on down that seen, hole with her. Have you ever her. seen videos of sinkholes? Oh, it's scary. Yeah. Oh, it's so scary. Now you have a lady that dug one so deep that there's a chance she cracked, you know, hard enough into the foundation that a sinkhole forms. <sighs> My kind of woman. What's her name? I, I'm not gonna say it on you, but she just was. Well, I hated about her. Was she was so so nonchalant. Yeah. I don't care what people do if it just affects you. <laughs> that is affecting your neighbors on a high scale, uh, having to get removed from their homes. Yeah. Just. You know, you just don't like affecting other people. I know how you are. <laughs> Not in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, okay. Uh, next one. Be ungovernable. Uh, 
there is like there's a couple more. We're getting here towards the end. Like I said, most people are going to need hybrid power. Yeah. Um, but not like those dang hybrid cars. Scr- no, no, that's yeah, it's well, different. Kind no, of, yes, yes, no. I don't want a car that does it. How about that? I don't care if a car does it. I really don't. I'm not going to ever charge a car because I'll never remember. Mm-hmm. Heck, my wife never even put remembers put gas in the car. Well, I'm plugging it in. Yeah, we have to plug in the tour bus, and she forgets that that's a thing. Right. Yeah. I'm just glad she can't drive it. Uh, it, so yeah, there's hybrid. Uh, the last one we're going to talk about is one I think is the best okay. for what we are talking about with homesteading. Okay. Biofuel power. Now there's several different things. Excuse me, I'm really burpy. That fall into this category. Um, considering gr- eh, growing and harvesting your own biofuels like corn, corn, soybeans, sunflowers to power your homestead. This can include converting your vehicle to run on biofuels as well. Uh, like everybody knows people that pick up used cooking oil and filter it and use it as fuel in their, mm-hmm. as far as heating and vehicles, you can do this. Uh, this takes a lot of space though, this side of it, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be able to produce enough grains or seeds to actually harvest oil. And you can look into this more, but basically you got to get a uh, oil extractor, you know, you can get the old twist types and you actually, right. Cold press it or uh, cold press like where you're, uh, you're not heating up the no, stuff to just, extract yeah, the oil. Yeah. It's just uh, your pressure. Yeah, but That's you will need press. heat in some parts of it to actually get the fuel source out of it. Okay. There's a lot of water that comes out, too. Okay. You want just the oil. Yeah. Just like any engine. You, there's a couple of modifications you have to make to older engines. Modern engines, they don't like it. Like they No. Just, they don't like gasoline, let alone <laughs> sunflower oil. Uh, Diesel's the best, like, to convert. If oh, yeah. I mean... Multi-fuel, I, I've talked about multi-fuel vehicles in Vietnam, right? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You so told me. Grandpa was a Vietnam vet, and he had a multi-fuel semi. And if you are if you were drunk the night before, you can peen that thing and it'd burn it. That's insane. It'll burn anything that's burnable. Yeah. they dump cooking oil as far as diesel, and like they'd be in the field and just whatever they thought could burn, they'd mix in. He told me one time they found an old French fort that had a bunch of wine in it, and they dumped all the wine in the tank to get home. And it worked. It worked. That's crazy. It burned. It, obviously, you know, there's gunk coming out of it. At the right. End of it. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff that don't burn. But it moved. So this is half of this is this stuff. The other half is uh, the best thing on this, and I guarantee you will buy one within two years. Okay. We're gonna talk about a methane digester. Ooh. Is this with the big bladders? Yes. Yes, I've seen these before. Uh, after we talk about it, you will buy one. Okay. Uh, depending, you could set them up to digest uh, compost. Essentially. Uh huh. There's a, they need a lot of liquid. Yeah. But like compost uh, from your vegetable scraps, rotting stuff. Also, most people just hook them up to their waste facilities, their bathrooms. Mm-hmm. So this kind of sounds gross, but you can cook. You can make all the cooking and heating fuel oh, yeah. for your house off of your own manure. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, it's just a gas. Right. right? It's, it's just not like, there's no unsanitary things that are happening. Right. It's, it's being burnt, burnt as a process of it. Right. So it's not like... It just, but yeah, a methane digester is not for everyone, but there's definitely the hardiest of the self-reliant souls can use this for off the grid. However, one of the digesters in a great way of using a manure on your property, convert it into something highly, a highly useful fuel source. If you have like a lot of cows or chickens, um, this is definitely one to look for. But even if you have the manure from a family cow, you still need to convert the manure into enough methane gas for cooking and heating. And you can buy these. I'm going to say, if you think this is a good idea for your own homestead or your own house, the cheapest one there is, and this is, uh, I think this is 
Joyful Homesteading. There's a link to buy them on there, and they have ratings and stuff like that. Uh, the cheapest one I found was like thirteen hundred bucks. Thirteen hundred? Yeah. Okay. Complete set though. Yeah. Like it's all there. Mm-hmm. You don't got to. But it produces methane. You have to. Here's the thing though. You have to poop in it. Well, you have to poop in it. Oh. Uh, most people hook them up to outhouses. Okay. And you do have to clean them out every once in a while. Mm-hmm. It's like on a, anything on a farm, you know. It's just your poop instead of a cow's or a horse's or, you know, something else. Mm-hmm. And you do have to clean them out. And you do have to, if you're not using the methane, if you end up producing extra, you do have to just let it out. Right, yeah. Because it will blow up. Right. Because it's not, the bacterial colony doesn't stop. It's like a, it's like a making kombucha. But there's other ways to get the methane. So, yeah, what is methane? Anything uh, anything of an organic substance, either an animal or vegetable source, decomposes. It does produce methane gas as a byproduct. Methane gas is a greenhouse gas that is supposed to be far from detri- or far more detrimental to our environment than carbon dioxide. A, di- a digester can take that gas and convert it into energy. Plus, unlike oil, which is a finite resource, methane gas is constantly being produced by our planet. Pretty much it's a byproduct of life. Right. Uh while you'll never run out of methane gas, plus one methane gas is produced, a waste substance is left over, both solid and liquid, that can be used as organic fertilizers. So you're taking some, so you can't just put poop on plants. That's right. kind of a misconception people have because uh, it will kill your plants. It's mm-hmm. fully acidic and all this stuff. The end product of this, you can. Just jump when you right. clean these digesters out, oh, it then. breaks down a lot of the harsh chemicals mm. and makes it a much more usable uh, resource. So then you can, okay. Oh, I so like this pro- idea. It's producing both fertilizer and a fuel source. So imagine if you imagine it's if gross. You're, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but imagine if you eat if you're eating a hundred percent clean off food that you grow yourself or produce yourself, and then you're recycling your own poop after that whole process without any chemicals or processed food. That's good clean living. If you've lived on a farm or you're getting ready to homestead, you're going to, have to deal with poop. Yeah, and I think that's the hardest jump off for this thing. Is that you're dealing with your poop? Yeah, your family's poop and cows. Just get over it. Right. Just get over. And it. I think you will. I've. You ever seen uh, the new Dumb and Dumber movie? You Mm-mm. ever see that one? Mm-mm. Um, there's one. I, I I didn't care for it too much. It was all right, but the, uh, there was one really funny part that actually. Yes, made me I la- did. Go on. That made me laugh out loud is when Harry's up on stage at some science convention. Somehow he ended up there, and they everyone thinks he's this scientist. But he has one really good point, and they're talking about, like, food, like, producing food and things like that. And his question is, yeah, but where does all the poop go? And <laughs> stumped them. They had no answer to that question. They were like, uh-uh. That, it was, that part was funny because it's true. Where does all the poop go? So how does the methane digester work? The matter, the matter is broken down where there is no oxygen. So this is an anaerobic bacterial breakdown of the matter that produces biogas as a waste product. This is very important. It's kind of the same thing that's happening on the bottoms of swamps that creates, you know. Fumes. Yeah, swamp gas, the yeah. fireballs. Yeah, that just go fly- methane. That go flying into the sky. That there would only ever happen one time. Brown mountain lights. Which it could be. I think that's plasma. We'll talk about that later. Wilbur. Daniel. <laughs> this, ha- this happens naturally in swamps, rice fields, soils that are waterlogged, and instances where large animals uh, can cannot get to, but can also be manufactured by storing waste in all right, or airtight containers, providing an extra valve for releasing extra methane gas that builds up. So most of these systems, like that's another thing I'm saying why you buy them and don't build them, is they have check valves and safety features mm-hmm. that once the pressure gets so bad, it's just going to let it out naturally. Right. So you don't look out one day. It's not going to like blow up like an explosion, 
it'll blow up like a pressure. Right. Anyways, like, they're done their own yeast, or you mentioned kombucha earlier. You can actually, you know, the top will blow off. And right, right. You don't have a check valve in it is what it's called. Yep. Um, can it replace the power grid? It could if you had enough manure. It depends on, you know, how big you want to invest into these. Uh, as a source of methane gas, if you have at least 150 cattle or an equivalent amount of feces, it would be uh, great worth the cost to invest in a super large-scale digester. And it would fully replace everything you need for electricity right now. Wow. But that's 150 cows. That's a lot. Or equivalent. That's too many. But you think if you make you add up all your – a big uh, – an actual homestead, a fully off-the-grid homestead, it's going to have a lot of animals. Yeah. So chickens, chickens know, pigs, goats, horses, goats, quail. cows, and you. Yeah, and you. Yep. The so, biggest one of all. Yeah. Well, the cows are definitely going to produce them. Well, cows just never stop crapping. <laughs> yeah. I hate cows. Horses. I hate being around cows. But they're like big dogs. They're not. Yeah, they are. No, they will stomp you to death this second. That's what gets people killed. Well, little dogs would do that too. Yeah, because little dogs are rats. Yeah, they do the they're same thing. The same thing. They just tricked us. It's like my sister's little Shih Tzu. He's he will stomp you or bite he, you, he would, and he would kill you if he could. Yeah, exactly. Your dad's and Shih Tzu then bites me all the time. No, that's not the, that's not the Shih Tzu. That's the Havanese. The Havanese bites me. I know all I, the time. It's only like very select random people. Other than that, he's really nice to everybody. But there's just certain people. He just gets a burr up. His, I, you're one of three that I know that he goes after. Every time. Every time I turn around. But he'll <laughs> only pet him when you're looking at him. Oh, yeah. It's just when you're not, you'll get your ankles and All your right. leg. So if you don't have this much waste product and you don't want to invest in the super scale, what you know, what's for the rest of us? Most small-scale homesteaders would uh, like the batch type of methane digesters. These are relatively easy to assemble. Uh, you don't. Some have welding, some don't. It depends on what you're going to get. If you're going to build them your own, mm-hmm. there are plenty of how to do it yourself with like 50 and 30 gallon drums. Mm. Uh, but you have to be decent at welding. Yeah, because you have to make an airtight seal and you have to put a check valve in. Like I said, buy most the of the time just buy the kit. Mm-hmm. I mean, these barrels are probably going to be 200 bucks by the time you get them all. Yeah, welding. You know, you probably have 500 bucks in it, 600 bucks in it. These kits are about, you know, 1300 bucks for the cheaper. But they work. But they work. Yeah. And they, you got guarantees, and it's all put together. And even uh, the one I was looking at has a valve to go to a stove. Oh, nice. So you don't have to do anything else. Like, the extra gas just goes to your stove. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of people, it's weird because you see a lot of these homesters that I watch, watch videos that have these, like, within 50 feet is their cooking area of their outhouse. Okay. Because it wraps around and stuff like that. And, yeah, but, yeah, you don't smell it. It's airtight. Right, right, right. That's another thing to think about is this, you do have to clean it out, you know, once or twice a year, I mean, but it, it's fertilizer. It'd just be like having propane. It, once it leaks, you smell it. But normally the time, it's airtight. Well, like, that's sulfur. Huh. Propane doesn't smell. You know that, right? Oh, well. That we add sulfur to it so we know if it's leaking. Oh, really? hmm Did not know that. hmm Wow, I've been deceived. Yeah, so that smell, you know why it smells like eggs? Because it's sulfur. Yeah, well, that makes sense. They add a sulfur gas into propane mm. because you will. It's odorless, colorless, tasteless, smellless. You taste the meat, not the heat. That's okay, Hank. Hank Hill. Yeah, but Bobby. yeah. So this has been uh, home fuels. If I had to pick, like I said, most people are going to have to do a hybrid. Yeah. If you really want to get fully off the grid, uh, you're going to have to do a hybrid of these. I just, I just thought of something funny. It's so dumb. But what if there's an episode of King of the Hill where Bobby's like, "But Dad, you know, let's get the methane." To start cooking, Bobby, methane, it comes, I'm, <laughs> I'm not burning, grilling my hamburgers from your poop, but I dad. I don't like propane. Propane scares me. 
Every time I use the Mr. Buddy heaters, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> I've had them blow up on me twice. I think Hank needs to just give you a little spiel of how safe they are if done properly. You need some Hank Hill in your life. Yeah, see, it's not the, I guess it's not the propane gas itself. It's the equipment that they sell you to <laughs> use with it that I don't trust. Well, it's down in Strickland Propane, huh? We got the finest grills so if, and accessories. What do you think about useful or these uh, home-setting fuel sources? I think they all play their part. I think they're all necessary. Uh, you may not have access to all of these, but the ones that you do, or, you know, the methane one, I mean, we all have access to that. If uh, you either can build the equipment or buy the equipment, um, we all have access to sunlight and we all have access to wind. Those are the probably the three main ones. And, and But I'm really a big proponent of the geothermal. I like that a lot. I think uh, take advantage of that. There's a guy in Missouri that grows lemons year round from, use, me from yeah. using geothermal uh, energy just to maintain the temperature of his greenhouse. He grows all sorts of citrus and whatever he wants. Um, so it's pretty amazing stuff. You just got to look outside the box a little bit. And then, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to escape the dominant paradigm. And everything that you listen to in the media, on TV, you know, it's programming you to, to live in this system, this system that relies on the grid, this system that relies on our government to provide everything for you. We need to escape that system and move to a system that's more self-reliant, more individualized. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.